News Weekly is an ad-free, listener-supported podcast made possible by teammates like you. Just go to patreon.com slash Shah to support the podcast, where you can get free tickets to my upcoming comedy festival shows in Melbourne and Sydney. That's patreon.com slash Shah. Top Stories of the Week Western Australia gets only slightly weirder than it already is. Also, Tony Abbott eulogizes the only person who ever tolerated him. And balloons in space! All that and more on Newsweekly. Hello, I'm Sandy Shah, and thank you for joining me as we punch the news in the headlines weekly. If the snakes, spiders, emus and sharks don't get you, then the radioactivity probably will. News now. Western Australia has a lot of reasons to be a tourism hotspot. It's where you can find quokkas, which are tiny, chubby marsupials that look like if kangaroos were somehow crossed with adorable babies. Or you can find some of the most beautiful beaches with white sands and crystal blue waters that aren't always full of sharks, just most of the time. It's got its own unique culture, one created by a mass population of fly-and-fly-out mining company workers who don't have a high school diploma but do have multiple jet skis. It's also home to some of the richest people in the country, like Gina Reinhardt, who is worth $28 billion, and looks like if you stuffed all $28 billion into a sack of skin. Or Andrew Forrest, who is worth $18 billion, and looks like if you stuffed $18 billion into a sack of dicks. That somehow convinced everyone he's better than Gina Reinhardt, because he says nice things about indigenous people now and then. So, there's a lot of reasons to visit Western Australia. And now there's one more, especially if you want to get bitten by a radioactive kangaroo and become Australia's first superhero. In Australia, its nuclear safety agencies confirmed it's joined the search for a missing radioactive capsule, which is just six millimetres in diameter. It fell from a truck somewhere along a vast stretch of highway in Western Australia. A truck carrying radioactive material accidentally dropped a tiny radioactive capsule, triggering a search over 1,400 kilometres to find the capsule, which was so radioactive it led to newsrooms becoming trapped in a single idiom. Phil, this is a needle in a haystack. Well, it'll be like trying to find a needle in a haystack, I think. So just how radioactive was this needle in a haystack that's only a few millimetres across? Look, it's not a highly radioactive source. It's not as bad as what we might use in the hospitals in radiotherapy or blood uh, sterilisers, but um, it certainly could cause damage to the skin. Uh, If you keep it in your pocket over a a couple of hours, you'd probably get some reddening of the skin, uh, some possible radiation burns, uh, anything longer that could lead to sort of more ulceration, that sort of thing. The big worry is if something like this was ever ingested and it did the same thing in your, your gastrointestinal tract. So about the same as eating anything from a pub in regional Western Australia. What were they even using this for? Uh, and they're used in, in all sorts of, uh, of places to, you know, uh, to measure levels and measure density of material in a slurry. Uh, they're used in universities and in hospitals. Uh, you can use them to you know, uh, kill creatures that you don't like. Wait. What? Kill creatures that you don't like. Who is using radioactive capsules to kill creatures? And what creatures? Why don't you like them? What the fuck lives out there in regional Western Australia? By the way, he doesn't explain that any further either. And so the search was underway. A painstaking search. 
Officials admit they might never find the missing radioactive capsule, about the same size as a Tic Tac and much smaller than a 10-cent piece. There's a vast area to cover and significant fears about the potential dangers. You risk radiation burns, uh, chronic illness and potentially death. Just to remind you, that's a capsule smaller than a 10-cent coin over 1,400 kilometres of desert and road. It's like looking for a black cat in a cold cellar, a polar bear in a snowstorm, honesty in a political race, a grain of salt in a sandbox, a leaf in a forest, a book in a library. And then... A staggering discovery in one of WA's most isolated areas. The search groups have quite literally found... Don't say it. Uh, ...the needle in the haystack. God damn it! So they found it. They actually found it. Meaning you can never use a radioactive capsule in Western Australia as an idiom for something that's hard to find. Now the next step is to find out how this happened and to make sure it doesn't happen again. The capsule was being transported by the mining company Rio Tinto, which clearly didn't do a good job of securing it. Here's Simon Trott, the chief executive of Rio Tinto. We need to learn from this uh, to make sure that we make put in place additional controls to ensure that this never happens again. Rio Tinto has promised to conduct an internal investigation into how this happened, the same way it did when it accidentally on purpose blew up a 46,000-year-old sacred cave while looking for some iron ore to mine. Mining giant Rio Tinto has fronted a parliamentary inquiry this morning over the destruction of a 46,000-year-old indigenous site in WA's Pilbara region. Rio Tinto was fined $250 million over that, which has yet to be paid. Probably because Rio Tinto is busy with an internal investigation into sexual assault and sexual harassment of female employees. In the report, commissioned by the company and carried out by the former Sexual Discrimination Commissioner Elizabeth Broderick, 21 women reported rape or sexual assault in the past five years, while nearly 30% of women said they'd been sexually harassed at work. A common thread in the report is that women weren't listened to. One said her complaint about a sexual proposition was brushed off with, we'll make sure you're not alone with him while another said her complaints about a colleague sexually harassing younger women were ignored and the perpetrator was promoted. Rio Tinto ignored all of those claims the same way it's continuing to ignore claims that it polluted river systems in Papua New Guinea with more than 1 billion tonnes of mining waste. They claim bathing in the polluted water has led to skin diseases, diarrhoea, respiratory problems and pregnancy complications. Still, hopefully the government will punish Rio Tinto, which earned $21 billion last year, harshly enough. The maximum penalty? Just a $1,000 fine. The chances of Rio Tinto learning a lesson from this are about as high as finding, you guessed it, a fucking needle in a fucking haystack. The patron saint of hiding pedos, news now. There were protests in Sydney at the funeral for Cardinal George Pell, who a royal commission once found did not do enough to prevent consistent child sexual abuse by the clergy under his watch and knew about several cases of that abuse long before it came to light publicly. Good evening. The faithful and the furious came face to face at St Mary's Cathedral today at the funeral of Cardinal George Pell. Protesters made themselves heard outside, while inside former Prime Minister Tony Abbott delivered the eulogy. The protesters outside were people from the LGBTQI plus community, as well as families of sexual abuse victims from Pell's hometown of Ballarat. They were confronted by Christians who seemed to have forgotten the Bible's messages of tolerance and forgiveness. As the service started, a group of Maronite Christians began hurling abuse at protesters. Oh, hell to hell! 
and there was nothing Christian about the men's behaviour. These were so-called Pell supporters, a tiny minority stirring up trouble and embarrassment to the huge crowd. Push them! Push them! The same group were at the cathedral last night, ripping off ribbons in memory of those abused. For Jesus Christ! If it's true that you can judge someone by the company they keep, then Cardinal Pell's legacy isn't much better off with former Prime Minister Tony Abbott delivering his eulogy. George Pell was the greatest man I've ever known. Which is more an indictment of the men Tony Abbott knows than a compliment to Pell. He's the greatest Catholic Australia has produced. Weird that Abbott would think George Pell greater than, say, Sister Mary MacKillop, who went on to becoming an ordained saint by the church for setting up a network of schools for poor rural kids across the country in the late 1800s. Although Abbott might have forgotten about her because during her life she was excommunicated by the church because she discovered children were being abused by a priest and went public about it, something George Pell would never have bothered doing. Or maybe it's just because she's a woman. George Pell has now been buried, much like he tried to bury the voices of people molested by his priests. They deserved each other news now. The Robo-Debt Royal Commission is continuing. Robocop. Who is he? What is he? Where does he come from? Robo-Debt, not Robocop. Also, I already did that joke last week, sorry. This week's commission hearing saw a veritable who's who of blame-shifting cowardice that would be surprising if it wasn't being done by a former attorney general who never quite understood how the law works, a former minister for human services who has never shown any capacity for being human, and the woman he had an affair with who then claimed it was non-consensual despite sending him multiple messages begging him to take her back and got a massive government payout. First up was Christian Porter, who once paid his legal fees to the massive blind trust, which means if I ever get sued, I'm probably going to use my Patreon supporters to bail me out. Had information that I've seen come through the Commission been available in 2017, then I think that that authoritative advice from outside would have been sought two years earlier than it was. Then an admission. You take any responsibility for this? I, I, I do, and I look back on this and I see myself through the correspondence getting quite close at points to taking the next step of inquiry, and I, I didn't do that. I wish now that I had, but I also see the reasons why I didn't do that. Were those reasons being him not giving a fuck? Because that's the only reason that seems to match up with his actions. Still, this was the closest a Liberal Party politician has come to accepting blame, for which Porter does deserve credit. Right up until the moment, he then ducks for cover behind his subordinates. Mr Porter took aim at public servants. I was frustrated with all of them. Blaming inaccurate talking points for false statements he made in interviews. That theme of blame shifting then continued with Rochelle Miller, when she told the commission about all the dirty work she did for her boss, yet somehow never stopped to consider maybe she shouldn't do so. In August 2016, Rochelle Miller started working as a media advisor for Human Services Minister Alan Tudge. As negative stories of the scheme surfaced over the following summer, she says she developed a media strategy of pushing a counter-narrative. Feedback from the Prime Minister's office that actually this was playing quite well in, in you know, marginal seats, Western Sydney, that type of thing. The crisis management also included correcting the record when victims of the scheme spoke out, with the Minister's office releasing information about their cases to the media. Did you notice any impact of the decision to release personal information in the, into the media um, upon the nature of media stories from that point? 
Yes. And what was the impact you observed? Well, there were less people speaking out in the media, which was the intention. Hang on. So it's a strategy she came up with, then implemented, which got the desired result of frightening people from pointing out how RoboDebt was destroying lives. And we aren't criticising her because she alleges Alan Tudge was an abusive partner in their illicit affair? Yes, queen. Hashtag girl boss. I, I guess. Rochelle Miller's notes from her time working for Tudge reveal that Simon Benson, a reporter at The Australian, was their go-to guy for planting stories about welfare recipients and covering up robo-debt abuses. Simon Benson is the political editor for The Australian, whose profile picture shows a man with a face that looks like someone drew a smug smile on Andrew Bolt's flaccid penis. Finally, the man who was so busy with his own erect penis while being minister that he couldn't find the time to care about the dangerously flawed system he'd helped implement... Alan Tudge took the stand. I'm going to play the full audio of the most damning part of his testimony because very few people get the chance to listen to the actual speech of an absolute monster in their lives. And it's instructive to know that they don't always sound like a demon gargling the souls of innocents. Sometimes they're much more frightening than even that. So you didn't pause the system because there was a potential suicide associated with the but surely when you found this out, you must have thought to yourself, the questions of accuracy and the reversal of onus are matters of real significance to the people who are affected by this scheme. Um, I thought to myself that... Um, That's to do welfare compliance, you, it has to be done sensitively and well, and there has to be absolute reasonable opportunities for everybody. Um, Before we get to reasonable opportunities, there uh, has to be a reasonable basis to raise a debt. Um, and for any, I know from experience of even people close to me um, who have committed suicide, that you, you can't always know what causes somebody to do that. So just how severe is welfare fraud in Australia? After all, the government spent millions implementing it, then over a billion paying off class action lawsuits caused by it. How serious is the issue? Well, according to Alan Tudge's own notes kept at the time when he was Human Services Minister, his own record-keeping that he used when he was pushing the system and leaking stories to the press about anyone who criticised the system, according to those, total welfare fraud amounted to 0.1% of all transactions. 0.1%. And Liberal Party politicians colluded with a journalist at the Australian to publicly shame people for trying to draw attention to how wrong all of this was. Remember that the next time someone tells you dole bludgers are destroying the country or welfare fraud is the reason why the government can't afford to, I don't know, fix Medicare or NDIS or Centrelink. You know what? Robocop would have been a better system. That are alive, you are coming with me. Maybe it's a Chinese New Year celebration balloon that blew way, of course, news now. 
a man in rural Montana saw a strange object in the sky and filmed it, resulting in a diplomatic row between the US and China. I have no idea what this thing is. A strange object in the sky, filmed by a member of the public in rural Montana. And for those of you who think uh, this might just be the moon, it is not the moon. The moon is off to my right. I can see it. That's no moon. It's a space station. Okay, maybe not a space station, but it might be a Chinese spy balloon. The Chinese foreign ministry today first called for calm, but later apologized, saying a scientific balloon mainly used for weather research had gone off course. This isn't the first time Americans have had a reason to worry about something in the sky above. Ever hear of Sputnik? Yeah, the first satellite in space. Foreign satellite, Hogarth, and all that that implies. Even now, it orbits overhead. Boop, boop, watching us. We can't see it, but it's there. That scene from The Iron Giant, one of the greatest movies of all time, was about the last time a communist country sent a satellite over America. This time, though, instead of a Russian cosmonaut stapled to a seat with a bag to pee in, the Chinese might be using a balloon to spy on the US, which is the most festive way of spying, I think. things at the, top. the fact is, uh, we know that it's a surveillance balloon, uh, and I'm not going to be able to be more specific than that. Uh, we do know that the balloon has violated US airspace and international law. Uh, which is unacceptable. That's right, Americans would much prefer to give all the information to the Chinese government using the more traditional means of TikTok. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Sorry it's a bit late coming out today, only because I'm at the Perth Fringe Festival. I've been doing shows here all week. I've actually met lots of wonderful people from the Patreon who've come to the shows and said hi after the shows. Thank you so, so much for coming. If you want to watch my show, Successful Comedian, ironically titled, uh, in Melbourne or Sydney. Dates are about to be announced for Sydney as well. Dates for Melbourne are currently available on the samishow.com slash shows or on the Melbourne National Comedy Festival website. But yes, if you do want to come to those shows and you're a Patreon subscriber, please email me with the date you want to come to and um, what your full name is and I will put you on the list and issue you your free two tickets. If you aren't a Patreon subscriber but you do want to come anyway, buy the tickets. They're available on the Melbourne National Comedy Festival website right now and on the Sydney Comedy Festival website very, very soon indeed. Brisbane, Adelaide, Canberra, etc, etc. Those have not yet been announced because I haven't really planned them but I will eventually. Thanks very much. Otherwise, I'll see you right back in next week on News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.